just one of kings Better than none and ring That's why we're here to sing Football Sunday in the snow Referees whistle blows Weekend warriors toe to toe Football 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 Yes, people, welcome along to another edition of North London 40. Woo! My name is James Hamlin. My name's Inia Benigo. We are here, people, to break down all the excitement in the NFL, in which was week 15. And we have a special guest in the studio this week. I'd like to welcome along Jamie Cutridge from UK NFL. Jamie, how's it going? I'm good. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome, sir. So we're going to have you on the pod for the next hour or so. Please feel free to give us your opinions on what was another fantastic week in the NFL. And maybe a little bit later on the pod you can tell us a little bit about UK NFL, what that's all about and why people need to subscribe to that ish. Before we do that, let's get into a little bit of housekeeping. At NLDN40 is the Twitter. Mixcloud.com forward slash NLDN40 if you want to get into some streaming iTunes, subscribe to our podcast each and every Monday. We drop late Mondays, very early Tuesdays, just before the Monday night game comes out. NorthLondon40.tumblr.com, NorthLondon40 at gmail.com. Thank you for everybody that follows us, tweets us, ats us, writes to us, all that good stuff. Remember, this is your show, so please continue to do so. Let's get into week 15. There's only two more weeks of the regular season to go on after this one. Can't believe the season is almost at its climax already. Let's start with the early games. As always, we skip past the Thursday night game. It never happened. America's least popular TV show, I heard it called this week. <laughs> but to be honest, I'm surprised more people don't watch the league rather than this right now. Well, that's the thing. The league, yeah, the scheduling of the league on the same night as the game makes absolutely no sense. No. Like, because the league is, you're guaranteed entertainment. Guaranteed, like, you're guaranteed to not expect what's going to come in the league. It's filthy, it's brilliant, it's wildly entertaining. Whereas on Thursday night, we had the Bengals beat the Eagles. <laughs> Seems a no-brainer, right? <laughs> so we'll skip past that one. You know the score now. Go into some of the early games. This was hyped as one of the biggest rivalries in American sports, in American football. As it is, one team's just got the number of the other. That's now six in a row. The Green Bay Packers, 21. The falling off a cliff dramatically. The fiscal. Chicago Bears, 13. One of those scores where it actually should have been more. Chicago kept having opportunities. Their offense is just poor. This was awful, and Green Bay won comfortably and clinched the NFC North. Congrats to them. First of all, Brandon Marshall should maybe learn to keep his mouth shut. During the week, labelled himself the philosopher, started talking smack, and unfortunately could not keep it up. I'm, I'm going to ask you guys a question. I'm, I'm an NFL fan, but I'm not a traditional NFL fan in that way. I don't understand why people still view this battle between these two teams as one of the biggest games of the season. Because, frankly, as James said, six victories in a row for the Packers now. This is not as competitive as it should be. 
But at the same time, if you'd have told me three or four weeks ago that this would be the game where the d- NFC North was clinched, like 90% of people would have said it was the Bears clinching the division. They had a decent lead on the Packers. You looked at the Bears a few weeks ago, and they looked like possibly the best team in the league. Their defense was putting up ridiculous fantasy numbers. Cutler was playing well. Matt Forte was doing what he does. And so, actually, something has gone hideously wrong for the Bears. And I, I can't quite work out what it is I mean their defense is quite old so maybe it's like kind of slipping off and getting tired at the end of the season Cutler I mean he got injured a couple of weeks ago and whether he hasn't quite recovered from that I don't know Um, and the Packers are doing what the Packers did when they went on their Super Bowl run they're getting hot at the right time of the season putting the wins together they've got their playoff position clinched they could end up with a first round bye and then they're a scary playoff team but in terms of why it's a rivalry I guess like so much in the NFL, it harks back to the old days, and, and that's why people still give a crap about the Oakland Raiders. Some people could argue that the Arsenal-Spurs rivalry is no longer relevant, but... It is in this pod, 5-2. It still matters to people because the tradition is there and you can't get away from it. Jamie's right about the Bears. I think the thing that I can't get my head around the Bears is last season they had an excuse... They lost Jay Cutler. They lost Matt Forte. This was the year, no excuses. This defense is setting records. They're amazing. Charles Tillman, incredible level of play. Everyone's quote-unquote healthy. Matt Forte, about as healthy as Matt Forte gets. And Marshall's playing really well. The wheels have just come off. Jay Cutler's in interviews just going... Yeah, well, typical. He's like going, well, I d- d- don't know. <laughs> you know I, just, I just don't know. And it's unfortunately... They tank this. They don't make the playoffs. I think Lovey Smith's wearing this one. To be honest, I, you have to give the Bears some credit. They they did try the ingenious trick of paying Mason Crosby to miss all those field goals. So they're really trying everything. So I saw Mason Crosby's stats earlier for field goals for the season, and I couldn't quite believe my eyes. This season, he's 17 of 29, 59% of field goals. That's ludicrous. That's like a college game. But there's been quite a few big name kickers. Like David Akers last year was massively reliable, and he's having an awful season as well. Like, is it? I, I don't know what it is. Is it to do with? I mean, do you remember when they launched the new uniforms? They were saying there were more punts being blocked because these new uniforms were more streamlined. You couldn't grab hold of them. Are, are defenses doing a better job with defending kicks, or is it just that Mason Crosby's passed it? It could be that. They all week the kickers have been hearing that the kickoffs are going to be eliminated, so they're trying to make themselves more valuable by you know sucking it up a bit. And that you know they've got to improve their position. They've got to, they've they're players as well. They're men punters. I guess he's fortunate to be on a squad that don't necessarily need to win their games by field goals, so they're <laughs> able to carry a player like him. If he was to play for the Dallas Cowboys, and we'll talk about them later, he the, maybe wouldn't have that luxury. These weren't even the oddest special teams plays of that game. Did you see the? Uh, oh yeah. Did you see the Packers try to pass when they were returning a punt? I don't really understand what was trying, what they were trying to do. I think we've seen a few bizarre, fake special teams plays, and we'll talk about probably the bizarrest of the week in the Seattle game. <laughs> it was just Pete Carroll just being a complete. He's been Master P. Yeah, he was. But yeah, that I think is a rivalry thing. That I think is a rivalry thing. Like you know, we're just gonna take the piss. But imagine if the, like this sounds really incredibly like positive out of me right now. But if they had pulled it off, wouldn't have that been one of the greatest moments in that rivalry? We'll never know. Got to give a shout to James Jones, 
who was stinking up most fantasy league benches last season, now leads the league in touchdown receptions. Incredible performance by him. Has improved his play exponentially. Three touchdowns in the game for James Jones. And that's the scary thing about the Packers in that, you know, going into the season, it was all about Greg Jennings, it was all about Jordy Nelson, and the two guys that have done it for them have been Randall Cobb and James Jones, and Jennings and Nelson are getting healthy in time for the playoffs, and you're a defence, you're looking at that, and, and you're terrified, probably. I think we were all quite quick to stick the fork in Green Bay quite early in the season. They're coming back. They are a team peaking at the right time, as Jamie said. Nobody wants to play these guys in the playoffs, especially in Lambeau. They're on the way to being a seeded team in the NFC, and they've clinched the NFC North. With that victory, it also means that we'll never, ever hear from the replacement refs again. Moving on to the AFC East. Important matchup towards the top of the AFC East. Houston Texans, 29. Indianapolis Colts, 17. Arian Foster. What more do you need to say? Are we going to move on? Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> we can. It's, it's amazing when you're a team like the Texans that you've got weapons all over the place. You've got Andre Johnson tearing it up. You've got Arian Foster. But let's be honest, fourth quarter, especially in this pass-heavy league, there is nothing more valuable than having a running back that can eat up yardage, eat up time, and just completely shut down the game. And that's what the Texans did and did not allow Andrew Luck to win another fluky game. I felt like this was quite a big win for the Texans as well because after the pummeling they took in New England last week to to come up against another team that's in the playoff hunt, you know, if the Colts the Colts have got to play the Texans still once more. If the Colts had won out, they'd have won the, their division. Um, so the Texans needed the win. They needed to put a statement after that New England game. And they did it. And they're never going to be the most spectacular of teams. Because Matt Sharp kind of, after starting his career, kind of throwing a lot of yards on a regular basis, seems to have developed into a game manager. But I still think they're, you know, I, I still think they're one of the three best teams in the AFC and probably five best teams in the league. I'll agree. And if they get a lead, they just let JJ Watt loose. 19 and a half sacks for him. 16 block. name in the NFL. Which is what? The electrician. Uh, no finger wagging from JJ Watt no. yet last night. There's a lot of saluting. I saw him kick, then salute, then I saw him just salute later. I don't know if he's just losing moves as soon as he does something he really good. He needs to be patenting moves. Yeah, that's the problem. Moves. This is the problem. Well, what he really should do, because he's got something like a 56-inch vertical standing jump. If he just did that, that would just be quite impressive. Sack someone just jumped up really high. We had a few guys over last night in this very studio watching games, watching Red Zone, and we were having this, uh, having this discussion because nicknames were abound. Everyone's got nicknames. Nicknames we make up ourselves on a weekly basis just, just for fun. We saw um, Inspector Decker, Eric Decker, last, last night. And we came to the conclusion that like, there was one of my friends sat there and he's like, wait a second, why don't players in like, our premiership, why don't they have nicknames? And we're like, yeah, they have. They've got nicknames. And they're like, no, they don't. They just stick a Y on everyone's name. But they give them nicknames. So we're actually looking at this. Mm. The only people that have nicknames in the Premier League in our football are players from South America. And they all have nicknames. There's no in between. There is. The best nickname in football, bar none, is... Donkey Adams? No. Is Fitzhall's yeah. of course. nickname, which is one size. 
But you're right, they they don't have it. I think John Joe Shelby's is Mr. Magoo. The fact that I know what? John Joe Shelby's nickname is is pretty bad. I can't think of any other nicknames. But they're not embraced at a commentator level. No. To get into the psyche. So the com- you watched the games yesterday. It's like Megatron this, RG3 this. It's brilliant. It adds to it. Yeah. The only people that you'll find in the premiership will be, I guess, Cunaguero, Chicharito, mm-hmm. and someone else with a Brazilian shortened name. But do you think that's because our commentators are very lazy and will not... They, they seem to enjoy having puns in their intro, but they'll never give a player a nickname. I think with the Chicharito thing, if I could pronounce that properly, I find when people call him that, people give them loads of stick... Like, there seems to be something, like, abrasive in the English kind of culture that they don't want flashy names. They just want players to be players. Like, I mean, I guess the closest English player to have a nickname in the last few years is Beckham, either being D-backs or Golden Balls. But you never hear a commentator when he's got the ball never. go, oh, it's Golden Balls. Never. I mean, the most we get is kind of an, a first initial and half of the surname. So D-back, G-Nev, N-Bent, if you want Bent, <laughs> something like that. Embent. The Nuge. We've got about that. David Nugent. No, we're just making them up now. All we're saying is we have lots of fun with nicknames, especially on a Sunday. Making them up, using them. All I'm saying is why not? Just adds to the fun. Kids get into it. Athletes love it because they can go and endorse something. Yeah, do the the mobot. Go and endorse (laughs) suits or whatever. (laughs) The mobot, exactly. Snuggies. That's what um, Fitzhawker could endorse. Talking of nicknames. He has probably the NFL's most widespread nickname. Well, one of them, even though he has a few. But he actually didn't participate in this game. He wasn't the story for once. The story was another quarterback in Washington, D.C., also a rookie, who got a win over the if they win every game, they're going to make the playoffs. (laughs) Cleveland Browns, Washington Redskins 38, Cleveland Browns, 21. Was this Cleveland being Cleveland? Or was this Kirk Cousins being awesome? I think Cleveland have been better this season than their record has shown. They've been in a lot of close games. I mean, they lost by 17 yesterday, but that hasn't happened a lot. For me, yesterday, Washington were the team I was most impressed by. That To go to Cleveland, to win quite comfortably with your backup quarterback, Kirk Cousins is clearly a really able deputy. And I think what's really important about them is that um, he's got belief in himself and the organisation's got a lot of belief in him. And you saw that um, in the play they called up at the end of the Baltimore game when, you know, they decided, right, you're going to put it in your hands and you're going to and you're going to run it into the end zone in that two-point play. And I think if you've got a backup quarterback that your organisation put so much stock in, then clearly there's something going on in Washington and there's great spirit among the team. And if that team believe in Cousins, and when you go out there, there wasn't a massive drop-off in their offence yesterday. And and that can only bode well, not only for the games when Cousins have to play, but um, if the team's playing that well and you put RG3 into that, then you don't want to face the Redskins in the playoffs the way they're... They're motoring at the moment. I mean, that's five straight. They were three and six. And they haven't, I mean, they haven't been, I mean, that's Baltimore they've beaten, they've beaten the Giants. And if they win their last two games, the Redskins will be in the playoffs. They will. They'll win the division. And, and I don't think anybody could see that. And I think, look, very strong running game. And they haven't driven Morris into the ground. He's still got yards there he can gain. He's still looking relatively fresh. Evan Royster's, you know, doing his job as a good backup. And look, if they had Pierre Garçon healthy all season, when he's played, he's been awesome. He's like 
added an extra two stone and muscle since he played at, at the Colts. He looks a real force. They can play defense. They've got the great crowd in Washington. Washington for a playoff game. We'll run through the playoff scenarios later. It could potentially be Russell Wilson going into D.C. to take in. RG3, Kirk Cousins maybe. RG3, you'd like to think so. But lots of great stuff happening with this Redskins team. Nobody went into the season expecting this at all. Nice team. And they're doing this probably without their go-to receiver in preseason, in Fred Davis, who everyone was expecting to have a monster year and, and ob- has obviously been injured. Um, but the point you make about Morris is a really interesting one. And as a Titans fan, I look at Chris Johnson and his best seasons were, was where Vince Young was quarterback. When, you know, there's a threat when the quarterback's going to run, it just opens it up a bit more. And that's helped Morris. And in the last couple of years, that's helped uh, LaShawn McCoy in, in Philadelphia as well. And I guess to an extent, um, it's helping Lynch in... Um, Seattle with Russell Wilson as well. The key for Kirk Cousins coming into this game and for the Redskins was to make sure that they continue with the play action. And they did. And they used it to great effect. And in fact, Kirk Cousins had the second highest rookie starting game in Redskins history, even more than RG3 did. They've got one and a half good quarterbacks. It's getting to a point, though, I'm sure you chaps will agree, where it's like, how much time can we talk about rookie quarterbacks? And now we've got Rookie quarterbacks coming off the bench, yeah. playing really well. <laughs> and then, like, I can ask you, like, how many rookie quarterbacks have played this season and stuff? It's just the numbers stack up and up. You know, Nick Folds comes in at Philadelphia, looks capable. Looks capable. Greg McElroy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has, he's, he's one and oh. We're going to go into the playoffs with potentially three rookie quarterbacks. <laughs> the league's changing. The interesting thing about that as well is that it was. It was almost last year that was seen as the big rookie draft class for quarterbacks because so many teams, you know, you look at the Titans taking Locker at 8, Gabbert went at 10, Ponder went at 12. Teams jumped up thinking it was their chance to get a quarterback and probably the Jaguars, the Titans and the Vikings all wished they'd waited another season and got one of these ones that has come out this year. Absolutely. Bill Simmons wrote a brilliant piece on Grantland this week where he ranked all the NFL quarterbacks against classic NFL movies. Read the article, if not an excuse to see the Johnny Be Good trailer again. Johnny Be Good, if you haven't seen it, is a, they're like, let's make an American football film about this um, prospect coming out of college. If you want to draw a parallel, I guess he's a little bit like the kid that comes out of Jerry Maguire, who I can't remember who his name is, Coop or whatever it is, the quarterback. I've never seen Jerry Maguire. Never seen Jerry Maguire? No. All right, okay. I've got balls. They're like, going to make an American football movie about this quarterback. We're going to cast Anthony Michael Hall. As the quarterback. It just adds to the bizarreness. So there's, there's a cameo from Jim McMahon and Uma Thurman plays his girlfriend and Robert Downey Jr. is his, his weird mate. It's classic TV. So he ranks all the quarterbacks in the league and Jamie is absolutely spot on. If you look at the quarterbacks coming out of that class from last year, those teams, they'd get rid of them in a heartbeat. They've paid money. They've drafted high. They've got these guys in. Locker... You'll know more about Locker than we will. He seems to have something. I mean, he hasn't. I mean, he hasn't had a lot of game time. He wasn't started last season. He's been injured this season. But I mean, accuracy was his issue coming out of college, and you know, his he's hitting receivers were only just over half of his passes. Like, unless he takes a massive step up, he's not going to be worth that top ten pick that the Titans spent on him. And and you can tell the organization isn't that convinced in the way they went after Peyton Manning this summer. 
I think the Titans have kind of shot themselves in the foot with that draft pick in the same way the Jags and the Vikings have. But quarterbacks are always going to be the key to this, and this is something that we say on the pod a lot. Can't win without a decent quarterback, but you just wonder that if teams are looking at this year and thinking, wait a second, why aren't we taking even more of a flyer on these young guys? Come the collective bargaining, agree- bargaining agreement, especially if you go in the later rounds, looking at people like Russell Wilson, you can pick these people up for a song. Mm-hmm. The rookie quarterbacks that have played this year, they've generally done better than the, <laughs> they've generally done better than worse, if you see what I mean. Yeah. It's generally worked out for most teams. So it's interesting to see moving forward, teams start looking at the draft and viewing quarterbacks in a different way. It's not necessarily about this franchise guy. I think Matt Barkley makes a lot of sense. Obviously, he's a clear number one, but people look at the guys slightly lower down the list and think, look, let's take a flyer on this guy. Whereas previously, it would always be about, let's pick up journeymen. They can do a job for us. Mm -hmm. It creates a ceiling for teams. Basically, Charlie Batch is pissed. (laughs) So is Matt Flynn. And so is Joe Flacco, because he lost this week to the Denver Broncos. Baltimore Ravens, 17. Baltimore Ravens, 17. Denver Broncos, 34. Cam Cameron was brutally dumped this week for calling terrible plays for the Ravens, underutilizing Ray Rice, and generally providing us with a very boring offense to watch. He was replaced by ex-Indianapolis head coach Jim Caldwell, this week, you wouldn't have really noticed the Ravens were terrible for three quarters of this game. Like Chicago, this is a team that is really starting to slide, potentially out of the playoffs. I like how they fired the offensive coordinator and they were like, yep, this is the time we're going to use Ray Rice a lot more. We're going to establish this running game. And how many yards rushing did they get? 56. So you, you can't make this up. This this is a team in free fall right now. To have a 0.4 rating as a quarterback is, is, is Kansas City bad. To be fair with Rice's rushing yards, they went, I mean, they went 17 points down early, so you've got, so you couldn't lean too heavily on him. But even in, I think it was in the first half, he had only a few more carries than Bernard Pierce, which is just odd. And the firing of Cameron seems a little bit to me like, um, when Philly, uh, fired Juan Castillo earlier in the season when um, I mean Bill Barnwell wrote about this on Grantland today and that actually the Ravens offense was about the 11th best in the league and their defense was the 19th um, but they've got rid of the offensive coordinator and in Philly they were 3-3 three and three when they fired Castillo and averaging only conceding 20 points a game in every game since Philly fired Castillo they've conceded more than 20 points a game and it just seems like um, if the media is picking up on a weakness, so in Baltimore it was the offense, in Philly it was the defense, the easiest thing for a head coach to do is to fire that coordinator and kind of scapegoat him. And the irony is that the, for, the drop-off in the Eagles' defense this season is probably going to cost Andy Reid his job. Look, no one is under more pressure in their town that they play in in any American sport than Joe Flacco. Gets discussed in Baltimore... 10x level of any other athlete in that town and, and the surrounding area and got to help the guy out almost took him to the Super Bowl next season but this is a team that's getting worse by the week chance they might not make the playoffs every other year he's had you know a lot more defensive help than he's had this year though that defense and 
and kind of losing Ray Lewis and, and people like Nagato and, and a lot of people like that not being fully fit for the whole season has, has really hurt them. Um, and you're right. I mean, they, I think they probably only need one more win to get in the playoffs. But the way they're playing at the moment, you wouldn't put any money on that happening. Talking of playoff teams, this team solidified their position in the playoffs. Still kind of get no respect. And maybe they'll ride that we don't get any respect all the way to the NFC Championship we shall see. Do you know why they did amazingly this this week? You haven't even said the team yet, but I know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> they got a brand new anthem from Big Boy. In the A. Yeah, in the A, which is not, amazing. Not like that. Not, yeah. Not, yeah, it's not. It's not one for you, uh, you know, French film lovers or anything of that sort. Uh, yeah, Big Boy released a brand new anthem, which he said specifically he hopes that the Falcons use. Uh, in their playoff run in the same sense that the 49ers used Futures Tony Montana in their run last year so used it how? they used it as their anthem they'd come out to Tony Montana really? yeah I didn't think they could say anything that wasn't a different version of Montana in in, in the the (laughs) Niners game I don't think you'd do that the Atlanta Falcons 34 and the New York Giants 0 I don't think they will because it's a good record. It's not a great record. I listened to it again on the way here. I'm, it's the song I'm going to listen to before every single pod, and you're going to see how hyped I am. It takes a while. It's not like the. It's not. It's not like Never Scared in the sense that that's really a southern anthem that will get you completely crazy. But I think it'll take some time. I think it's got a really good chorus that, you know, check my resume. It's risky bis- business out in the A. Not in an English accent, because obviously that's not really catchy at all. But yeah, I, I honestly think that it will catch on. And I, I expect the D-Block to be singing it. Uh, for those that don't know, I mentioned the D-Block a couple of weeks ago. The uh, Ar- <coughs> sorry, the Atlanta linebackers group who host their own YouTube show every Thursday. So, so yeah, look out for that. I'll tell you who definitely doesn't like the song. The New York Giants. They laid a big... Duck Egg, their first shutout since 96. New York Giant 0, Atlanta Falcons 34, if the score even matters after all that. But yeah, they went on the road to a team they beat comprehensively in the playoffs last season on their way to the Super Bowl and just got smashed up. The Giants are in the midst of their every season lull. Have they lulled too much? But they put 52 points past the Saints last week. This was In my head, it was like, oh, well, they lost to the Redskins recently. Like, have they lost three in a row? But their last four games, they've destroyed the Packers, destroyed the Saints, lost to the Redskins, got destroyed by the Falcons. Like, it doesn't quite make sense, whatever's going on in New York. And and there's something odd about this team this year. Knicks isn't really getting it going. Eli, Eli looks like early season Eli rather than late season Eli. Um, but Matt, like the, I mean, this felt like a huge win for the Falcons. Like after getting no respect and getting a defeat that probably a lot of us saw coming against the Carolina, to go and put this performance against the team that so destroyed last year, I think it was a bit of a statement victory. You know, and everyone in the NFL was calling yesterday statement Sunday. You'd have to say that Falcons made the biggest statement yesterday. And you know, if they play like that, they're a tough team to beat because they've got so many weapons. Gonzalez, for his age, is unreal. I refuse to call it Statement Sunday in my house. But it was called that officially. It was also called Showdown Sunday. Basically, they really should, 
They should really all get together. For a league that does nicknames really well, that was quite possibly one of the most disappointing aspects. Statement Sunday. I look at my bank statement. That's not something for celebration. I never look at a Sunday. (laughs) Talking of statements, this particular individual continued to make a statement, continues to defy expectations every single week. Sam Bradford? (laughs) Solidified his position as probably the best player in the NFL over the last three, four, five seasons. Maybe Aaron Rodgers competes with that. Adrian Peterson. He put in his best performance of the season so far, if that was possible, against the St. Louis Rams. 212 yards on the ground, including an 82-yard touchdown run, leaving him just 294 yards shy of one of the records that people are thinking are never going to be broken. This record is 32 years old. This is yards rushing by Eric Eric Dickerson. And in the stat-heavy, point-heavy league that we watch today, any individual season records that last for 32 years, it really matters. It was really, really important. He needs to gain 294 yards in his next two games to break Eric Dickerson's record of 2,105 yards. Adrian Peterson is officially a G. Purple Jesus. MVP. See, I'm with you. I know he could turn the Vikes into a playoff team, potentially. If it's a Peyton Manning, Adrian Peterson, toss up for MVP. Peyton Manning has four MVPs. And Peyton Manning has played better than he's played in this season before. That's a fact. And he's also got 12 Papa John franchises. Yeah, Adrian Peterson just has that crap thing on the, when he was on Entourage. When he bought <laughs> that weird statue or whatever it was. That's all he has going on. Incredible performance. And I think because of what he's come, gone through and because of the nature of the person that he is, I think every neutral, maybe some Packers and Bears fans not, every neutral really wants him to break the record. They really do. Because it's an absolutely Herculean effort. It seems like there's a lot more popular support for him than when uh, Chris Johnson was going for it a couple of years ago anyway. And and the thing about Peterson is that he's doing it with... It's not like he's got a great passing game to kind of... I mean, defenses have to kind of step back and respect that. Like, Ponder's numbers since the first four or five weeks of the season have been awful. Their best receiver, Percy Harvin, has been injured most of the year. Like, what he's doing, considering defences know that they're just going to run and run and run on you, is staggering. He's averaging over six yards a carry this season. It's never happened before. So if you think about that, people, if they just gave him the ball every single time, they'd win every single game <laughs> because they'd get, a t- they'd get a first down within every two plays. They might not have that many possessions, but they would. But they don't. They give it to Kristen Ponder instead some other time. So, yeah, good luck to you, Adrian Peterson. We'll be keeping fans of the pod abreast on how Adrian Peterson does in his record-breaking quest over the next two weeks. Another shutout. We don't like to dwell on the shutouts, but we're going to. We were all in on Tampa Bay. We were all in on the preseason. We were all in two or three weeks ago. 
Doug Martin exploded. He started setting records. Vincent Jackson was looking great. Josh Freeman was looking the real deal. Greg Schiano was just getting more and more mean by the week. This Tampa Bay team was going to go on a run. They lost to the Eagles. Now they got shut out 41 to nothing by the Saints. What's going on? How do you not score against that Saints defense? <laughs> I, I don't... I, in, uh, I started uh, Matt Stafford in one fantasy league yesterday and Josh Freeman in another. I thought that was I thought that was money. I thought that was done. I don't I don't understand what's gone wrong. I mean, I, it, it, it's not like last year when that team crumbled and clearly they weren't getting on. And there were problems with the head coach. Like unless something went on after that Philly game because they were you know, they were beating Philly until the last snap of the game last week. But clearly something's gone on in the last week. And you know, Saints aren't the story here. It wasn't. It was a good Saints performance, but actually the fact that the Buccaneers have basically retreated from the playoff race. Um, I think that's really sad because they were they were a really entertaining team to watch on offense, in particular Freeman, Vincent Jackson, Doug Martin, like you say, all really like entertaining guys, putting up really good numbers. Um, and Dallas Clark, we always like a bit of Dallas Clark. <laughs> a defense, as Jamie said, last week conceded 52 points to a team that scored nothing this week. Yeah, just one of those results. On to the later games, and as we said last week, a bit more equality. For all you Red Zone fans this week, seven games early, five games late, extremely exciting. I think they knew BBC Sports Personality was going to be on at the same time. They knew it was going to be a big standing ovation, sports weepathon. So they thought, right, we're going to backload the late games. We're going to stick the Chiefs Raiders on. We're going to stick the Panthers Chargers on. You won't be able to compete with that. How many times did you cry when watching the Sports Personality of the Year Awards, James? This year? Yeah. I didn't watch it. That's good. I, I thought you may have just tried and sneaked a little peek. I was watching the Chiefs Raiders. Okay. There's no way I was diverting from that. <laughs> I would weep if I was a fan of the Detroit Lions. I'd weep for the rest of this season, probably through the off season, and maybe the season after. This team lost to a team that had lost... Ten games in a row had lost. Was it fifty-eight nothing to the Seahawks? Yep. Last week went into the game with an alleged point-scoring, high-powered offense and lost in Arizona. The Detroit Lions ten, the Arizona Cardinals thirty-eight. Jim Schwartz, you're out of here, son. He is. So there's no complaining. If you lose to the Cardinals, you should lose at life, and, and you should lose <laughs> your job. <laughs> this, this was a horrible game. I went back and tried to watch a bit of this in some sort of perverse punishment against myself. Even in the condensed version, it was horrible. I only got through halfway, let's say, of the first quarter, and the fact that neither of the quarterbacks threw for a touchdown goes to show you how bad this game was. It took a Ryan Lindley-esque performance from Ryan Lindley to win this game. 14 of 21, 104 yards and an interception. But the cards racked up 38 points against Detroit. I saw lots of Detroit fantasy defense-owning people smacking their lips, rubbing their thighs pre-game, proclaiming a win against the Cardinals... It was all set up. It didn't work this way. I started them in four leagues. Four. They were a lock. 
They were an absolute lock based on what Seattle did last week and the Cardinals. They were a lock and just didn't happen. What's next for Detroit, Jamie? A new head coach. <laughs> Maybe some new uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably a couple of new defensive tackles. Like I can't imagine Sue's going to stick around for long. There is an interesting point to this. Calvin Johnson, after his slightly slow start to the season, has been absolutely incredible this last seven weeks. His touchdowns haven't reflected it. Obviously, Detroit could have done with a fair few of those. NFL record with his seventh straight 100-yard receiving game. First player in NFL history with consecutive 1,600-yard receiving seasons. And, and I don't have the stats in front of me, is close to being on target to beating Jerry Rice's receiving record in a season for receiving yards. He's only 182 yards away. We could have Adrian Peterson breaking a record that's lasted for a long time and Calvin Johnson doing the same, both playing for average teams in the NFC North. What does that go to show you about the NFL? Do I? Neither do I. It's an interesting <laughs> thing, to be honest. Like, I, I guess you know, Roger Goodell would spin it as like, well, every fan's got something to watch or something to look out for. I'm a Titans fan. This isn't true. It's hard to find solace in stats padding when you're getting pummeled every week by the Cardinals. NFL Game Day did uh, a pretty funny thing. They uh, never. They they showed a, a screenshot of. Um, of Kurt Warner's phone and it had 58 missed calls from the Cardinals head head office. Did you see at the <laughs> end of the um, when the Seahawks put up 58 points on the Cardinals last week in my favourite tweet of the year Vince Young tweeted Larry Fitzgerald like tell the coach about me bro you know I can help. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> superb. And I, I'm fairly certain Vince Young was being deadly serious as well. I think he was. I think I think there was a distinct lack of irony in that text whatsoever. And but it was very nice to see Larry Fitzgerald, even though he didn't statistically contribute much in the game, with a big cheesy grin on his face, enjoying the moment, obviously been looking for a win, another player that everybody likes to root for, but oh god, I'm just I'm just thinking about that Vince Young situation. That is funny. The Seattle Seahawks, they went and played in another international game. And it's always funny as a British fan of the sport when they reference the international game, when they go, it's part of the international series. Toronto, Mexico City and London. They went north of the border, short drive from Buffalo up to Toronto. Not a packed house, but again, it's a pretty crummy Buffalo team, I guess. But we talk about teams being the hottest team in the league right now. And we talk about this frequently. Maybe it's only a two-game streak where they've exploded for 50 points plus and not conceded a lot. But Russell Wilson and his Seattle Seahawks are looking seriously legit. I like the fact that Russell Wilson just decided 15 weeks into the season that you can score by running in touchdowns. I like he just figured it out suddenly. He's like, I can add this to my game. And and the three rushing TDs that just completely helped the Seahawks blow by the Bills and and yeah we're looking at 
a new NFL powerhouse, potentially. I think I read somewhere they're the first team since the merger to score 50 points in consecutive weeks. Which is ridiculous for the, for this team who no one had any expectations of going into the season. And you still don't look at them and say they've got a high-powered offense. They've got... You know, they've got a good running back, they've got a functional quarterback, without any massive targets to aim at. And Pete Carroll is coaching the hell out of them, and heck, he is getting every last point he can get. He was throwing deep bombs on fourth down last week, um, when they were 50 points up on the Cardinals. And this week, there was a fake punt when they had 47 points on the board. <laughs> that's not nice, man. That's, that's harsh. Nobody liked that. I uh, kind of did. Yeah, <laughs> one person liked that. Out in the Twitter world. Has the fake punt not succeeded this year? Because to me it seems like they've been more than usual and every single one of them has worked. There's been a few, uh, but if you can imagine from a red zone watching perspective, you uh, just don't, you don't see that stuff. True. You know, you just kind of move on. But the third team in NFL history to cons- third team in NFL history to score 50 points in two consecutive weekends. That's only ever happened twice before. I would love to be still in my fantasy playoffs with Russell Wilson as my starting quarterback going in potentially my fantasy final. That would be a great feeling right now because I think this man is peaking. Except they've got the 49ers next week. I said my final. (laughs) The last of the later games turned out to be a real good one. It was like stepping into a time tunnel. Revisiting those classic battles of the 70s between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys. One team slightly less mediocre slash more mediocre than the other was going to be... Last week you described it as that and I thought that was an amazing description of the game. Thanks. And I've come out of watching the game and I still think the same way. The good thing is, for Dallas Cowboys fans, they're slightly less mediocre than... The Pittsburgh Steelers, they won this game 27-24. It was almost decided on another cataclysmic balls-up of a last-minute decision by Jason Garrett. Twitter went mad for an instant as Jason Garrett was about to attempt a 61-yard field goal with 32 seconds to go which would have left the Pittsburgh Steelers with the ball at the 49 and two timeouts. Twitter froze. Everybody wanted him to do it so they could laugh. I think he got a call from Jerry or a tap on the shoulder from Jerry. He rethought his decision. They punted. They went into overtime. They won on which confused me, which was the first play of overtime. And I was thinking, they can't kick a field goal. Here and win, it's like, oh, they kind of can because it was their first possession. They ended up winning against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which was one of those late-game overtime games, but a pretty good game nonetheless. Jason Garrett has somehow been the head coach of a team that has won two consecutive games on a last-second field goal. If anything, it proves that the Mayans were probably right and that this will be the last week of humanity. Um, but, I mean, the only way he managed to do it this week was on a big interception from his defence. Like, the guy... Like, Jerry Jones, he should just hire a different coach for the last five minutes. Like, that would just solve so many of the Cowboys' problems because he's clueless. I think we're being really hard on Jason Garrett. He's had a really big week. You know, he's been... 
He's been having trouble with Abin Nazir and been having real trouble with Claire Danes. You know, let's, let's ease up he's, on the guy. He's on a TV show that's officially jumped the shark and <laughs> yeah. is getting worse by the week. <laughs> this was a game that neither of the teams wanted to win. In that, there was a... There was a five-minute spell that either of them could have won at the end of the fourth quarter, and none of them seemed to wanted to take any initiative to try and win the game. Unfortunately, somebody had to. The cattle calls are out for Mike Tomlin to get the F out of Dodge in the Steeler Town. They're a team that's got old very quickly. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers and probably don't deserve to be in the playoffs. We'll break down the playoff picture. We keep promising in a minute, but they still have an opportunity. The late, late game was the game of the week. Two of the traditional powerhouse franchises in the NFL, two of the best teams in the NFL. Big cap on the primetime stage. Late game. San Francisco's 49ers, 41, the New England Patriots, 34, in New England. Huge result for the Niners. Jamie, break it down for us. For me, the most impressive thing about this game wasn't the 41 points they they put up. It wasn't them getting out to such a ridiculously hot start and shutting down the Pats on a lot of third downs. It was the way they gave up a 28-point lead and then rebuilt a 10-point lead. And f- for me, that is that is hugely indicative of the kind of team this 49ers team is because so many teams would have wilted um, after giving up that lead. And, and maybe it just dispels a lot of those momentum myths that we hear so much. But, you know, the Patriots get level, they kick the kickoff, and um, James, finally, a 49er kick return, manages to change a game by not fumbling it, takes a 68-yard, um, and then that perfectly, perfect read of the um, cover zero defence from Kaepernick and Crabtree down the sideline, and it, I, I love this 49ers team, I think they're my favourite team in the NFL, I love, I love Jim Harborough, I love um, the defence he's built, I love this offence that, I think... I think bringing in Kaepernick for Smith is the most ballsy move that any head coach has made probably in the last five years of the NFL because Smith was playing so well, his quarterback rating was so good. Um, but he, he saw something in Kaepernick and he's taken a risk and last night has proved it might just pay off and take them all away. I don't care. You group Colin Kaepernick, even though he's a second-year guy, you group him in with the rookies because he didn't play last year, right? So we're just grouping him in with that lot. Yeah. Incredibly ballsy move, as you say, by Jim Harbour. But... He's the best coach in the NFL right now for a reason because he's making those calls and they're paying off. It goes against it goes against not over just NFL coaching, which as we've seen this year is particularly safe and particularly boring, but it goes against human nature to think that you have something good and that you're so close to getting into the big game last year, and then to think, you know what, I could be amazing. Well, not I could be, but this team could be amazing. It may take a while. It may take some time for this quarterback to come in and just do things that he can do that Alex Smith can't do, but I think it's the right move, and yeah, it's definitely paying off. That like The fact that Kaepernick can also throw the ball incredibly hard, and I know that sounds really basic, but the fact that he can do so better than Smith ever could is, is a game changer. And I don't think we've necessarily seen this before in recent times. These quarterback changes... Again, people, if you're newer to this sport, they generally don't happen. You have a quarterback, you generally stick with him if he's pretty decent. 
Alex Smith, regardless of what you say of him, he was a top-rated passer in the NFL. For a reason, he was playing super well. He had that incredible game on Monday Night Football. He was playing really, really well. He got a concussion. He went out. Kaepernick came in, kept the job, and he's turned this team from a good team into a great team. If there's one franchise who knows how to manage a quarterback controversy, it's the 49ers. <laughs> Years in the game in that one. Years in the game. But if you think about it, you can take two great players and you can make the most of it. It can happen, but you need a coach. I know it's, I know Colin Kaepernick isn't Tim Tebow, but unfortunately it comes down to that. Mm-hmm. You take two quarterbacks that can be used in different ways and you get Rex Ryan and he completely screws up the situation. Harbaugh has worked perfectly. And also, any 49ers fan out there that if Big Cap goes down, I think you can be confident that Smith will come in and do a job. It's not the end for you. Michael James is finally getting the ball. People are starting to see in the pros what he did at a college level. He's exciting. Brandon Jacobs seems to be the only body, apart from Alex Smith, pissed off. But, you know, who who cares? Exciting things coming out of San Francisco. There really, really are. This was a great game. A great game to watch live in the States. It went on really late. No one expected it. Colin Kaepernick, wish you all the best. Can't wait to see this guy in the playoffs. Speaking of 49ers fans, uh, I wanted to send a shout out to John Curran, who I met whilst at a wedding two weeks ago in Ireland. So I was in deep West Ireland thinking, okay, this is nice, it's great, gonna have drinks or whatever fun. And all of a sudden, I don't know how it happened, but started talking about the NFL. And John Curran is a massive 49ers fan. His wife, is a massive 49ers fan as well, which is pretty crazy to think. And quickly, I need to interject this. I tweeted about this yesterday. If you are looking for a Christmas present for any of your friends, I know it's a bit last minute, but buy them an NFL pennant on eBay for two quid. Trust me, it'll be a great gift. Is that what you've got me? No. Something better. (laughs) It is. I used to have NFL pennants when I was a kid. I can testify they are brilliant. I actually had a San Francisco 49ers one. You've given a shout out to John. And that is a great example. Any night, no matter what country you are in, gets better when you start talking about the NFL Mm -hmm. to a randomer. So that was week 15 in the NFL. Whoa. You're forgetting tonight's monster Monday night football game. We're not. And I'll tell you (laughs) what. We're not. And we'll tell you why. Unfortunately, due to timing... And this is a little bit of an unwritten rule for this season of the pod. We never have the opportunity to cover the Monday night football. We did preview it last week. Time, logistics, day jobs get in the way. But please, Jamie, you're a Titans fan here. People may be listening to this in the build-up to the game if they get on it really quick and they download the pod as they should or they wait till the morning. What is going to happen in this match against the New York Jets I have nothing interesting to say about this game. I mean, the best. Th- we can thanks, thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the best we can hope for is Sanchez gets injured and Tebow has to come in. But hey, the the Jets could still make the playoffs. How crazy is that? That is extremely crazy. So let's talk playoff scenarios. This is the part of the season, and if you're a new follower to this sport, it gets extremely complicated. Forget goal difference. Forget the super over. Forget golden goal, silver goal. 
Forget that random time in the semi-final of the Heineken Cup when every player of Leicester Tigers and the Ospreys had to kick those penalties. <laughs> Forget that time the, the Champions League had two group stages. Oh. <laughs> I'm just depressed. <laughs> <laughs> we just end it now. It gets very complicated, but we'll give you what are looking like the updated scenarios on the playoffs. So, starting with the NFC... In the NFC East, there is a three-way tie between the Redskins, the Cowboys, and New York who are all eight and six. The Redskins will win the division by winning out, and they've got Philadelphia and Dallas at home. The Cowboys could face exactly the same scenario last year with a tie for the division going into Week 17, and they're on the road for the division title, and they will be out of the playoffs if they don't win. The Giants can win the division if they win both of their games. That's at Baltimore, which is next week, which is a huge game, and Philly at home. And if Washington and Dallas lose at least once. The Giants win a wild card if they win both of their games. Green Bay clinched the NFC North by winning in Chicago, as we spoke about. Chicago and the Vikings are both 8-6. and six. The Bears have got Arizona and Detroit, while the Vikings play Houston at home to Green Bay. Atlanta has a five-game lead in the NFC South. The Bucks are eliminated. We covered that. San Francisco would have to be swept by Seattle and Arizona to lose the NFC West. And Seattle looks like a pretty good, solid fifth seed. In the AFC, New England, despite that loss to the 49ers, had already clinched the East. Houston won the South by beating Indy. And Denver has officially lapped up the West. The Ravens clinched the playoff spot despite losing and going down to 9-5. and five. It shows you how poor that division is. They clinched the division if they win one of their last two games. The Bengals win the division by going 2-0 and o against Pittsburgh, whilst Baltimore goes 0-2. The Steelers, who are 7-7, seven seven, can get the sixth seed by winning their last two games. The Colts are in the wild cards. The Colts get in the wild card by winning one of their last two games. Simple. And it's going to get more complicated as the weeks go on. But two more weeks of games to go. And we can preview those and look into those now. Because lots of games have lots of playoff implications. Of course there isn't any playoff implications in the early game. Which this week has been moved to a Saturday. Yes! Thank God. I don't know why I said thank God. But yeah, thankfully it's on a Saturday. Which means... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Big L. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it's the Falcons at the Lions. Getting into the games that actually matter, that actually have some implications this week. The Raiders at the Panthers. No, I'm, j- I'm joking. Obviously. So, into the games that are looking good this week. So, what have you- there are games here that look very boring on paper. We're on Mediocre Bowl Part 6, but. <laughs> Do have playoff implications. The Bengals. Also, sorry, just to quickly jump in. I saw someone on Twitter say that watching Red Zone was like watching movie trailers and that they'd rather watch games because that's like watching a full movie. You can keep that opinion, but on a week like this, this is the only chance to watch Red Zone and the best option to watch football on a Sunday. On a week like this, in this festive period, take some time to spend with your family away from NFL, <laughs> rather than having to sit through the Raiders-Panthers. <laughs> Janikowski! The Bengals are at the Steelers. Mediocre Bowl, part six. One of those teams is going to be slightly less mediocre than the other one at the end of that. 
and will have a shot at winning the AFC North. The NFL has reverted to type this week now that sports personality isn't on. There are 11 early games. Red Zone will be close to meltdown. There aren't any really interesting games with any real playoff implications apart from the Bengals at the Steelers. So most of you fantasy people who are fortunate enough to still be in the fantasy league will be watching that closely. The late games. couple of pretty big ones. Again, Mediocre Bowl, Part 8. The New York Giants are going into Baltimore to take on the Baltimore Ravens. Whoever loses this has got a very high chance of being out of the playoffs. Both teams very fancied a couple of weeks ago. How's this one going to go, lads? I'm going to go with a tie. Nil-nil. <laughs> I think the Giants will win. I just don't trust this Ravens team at all. And the Giants, they, the moment they're going good, bad, good, bad, so they'll win this week and um, and lose to the Eagles the week after Andy Reid's last game. When Andy Reid starts at quarterback himself. <laughs> Strange scheduling this week. There is no Monday night game, which would have been on Christmas Eve, would have been great. There's no Christmas Day game this year. All the games, apart from the Saturday game, take place on Sunday. The late game on the Sunday, another chance to see Big Cap on a primetime stage against the ballad of Russell Wilson. It's going to decide, effectively, the NFC West, undoubtedly, the game of the week. There is no other competition. Apart from maybe Arsenal-Reading. But yeah, this this would be the game of the week. <laughs> that was week 15. That was a preview of week 16 in the NFL. Two more weeks to go, and then we go playoffs. That's a whole new exciting world. Can't wait to preview those. The wildcard games are going to be great. Some potential RG3 possible Russell Wilson matchups that we will be hyping up on this podcast of that you can be sure Jamie thank you ever so much for coming on this week's North London 40 tell us a little bit about what you're up to how can people hear more of your pearls of wisdom across potentially other forms of multimedia well so me and a few mates run this thing uh, a Twitter account called at um, UKNFL which is literally just at UKNFL on Twitter and during the Sunday nights we cover the games live we do score updates we take the piss out of the Cleveland Browns you know kind of what everyone else is doing at home we try to convey on Twitter and you'll be keeping up with the games and we'll be interactive and you know hopefully have some fun as well it's, it's normally a good laugh we've you know we have a few people following us so it's a good giggle but yeah at UKNFL on Twitter but also you can follow me at Jamie Cutteridge on Twitter as well it's a really good service and we really recommend you following it yeah. if you look at our tweets during a game they can be inconsistent. Yes. We could suddenly get stuck in a very boring game and, yeah. and, and go and do something else. And you might hear from us sporadically. These guys, extremely focused, mm-hmm. dedicated to their craft, will offer you a, just a nice, bright and breezy running commentary of games, the things you need to know. I find it an excellent guide to watching games on Twitter. Thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. At also- UKNFL. Sorry. Also, incredibly important, let's say, when you, you're not actually watching the game on TV, they actually do a better service of 
providing you a feel of what's going on with the games than, let's say, the ESPN or any of the American people. You guys do a really, really good job with that. The guy who has the early shift on the Sunday night has got to have, like, fingers of steel because you're watching, like, 11 games on Red Zone trying to keep up with the scores. It's normally a guy called Stephen Bradley who does it, and the guy is a machine, a drunken Irish machine. Shout to Stephen Bradley. We're loving your work, son. And again, if you're out and about, it's Christmas party season, so you're out and about doing mm-hmm. stuff with limited bandwidth. Making mince pies. If you want to catch up with the scores, it is an excellent service to do so, so I can't recommend it enough. Jamie, thanks ever so much for coming on board. Thank you. Absolute pleasure having you. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it. Good man. We are out of here. We will see you in week 16 in the NFL. We'll see you then. Take care.